Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Matt Marciante on the line. Matt, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I am great. Great to have you on the show. Today, we're going to talk about businesses and how they can pivot uh, during a pandemic. And as we were talking about early on in, in our conversation, at the time of this recording, we are recording uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic that's impacting the globe. And a lot of businesses you know, we've seen have already started to fall by the wayside, even though we've only been in a quarantine period for just a few months for many of us, it feels like a few decades, but especially for businesses that are struggling. But today I want to talk about, you know, what are some things that organizations can do in times like this uh, where they can, you know, maybe look at their strategy in a different way. So love to hear your backstory and you know, some of the work that you're doing and, and then we can jump right in. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for having me on. And um, I guess I'll start with our, our backstory. So in 2017, my wife and I came together and wanted to start, you know, something new, something creative. And my, my family has some history in the leather industry. My dad's been in the leather boot industry for over 30 years. Um, my wife is very fashion forward. And it honestly all started with me wanting to buy a pair of Chelsea boots and I didn't love any of the affordable options, but I also didn't want to, to spend up on some of the outrageously priced, you know, nicer options. And so um, we kind of followed Warby Parker's approach, which a lot of people are doing in e-commerce now, but we knew that we had the, the connections and the resources to make a very high quality product, but offer it at a much more affordable price. And so that's how Marciante and company was born. Um, and so been about three years now. We acquired a second brand last year called Mission Leather Co. And we cut and sew leather MacBook and iPad cases, wallets, accessories, things like that right here in Dallas, Texas. And so I guess kind of, you know, fast forward to the, um, to the, the pandemic. It started back in March. We were, you know, obviously considered non-essential, uh, which was which was a problem. Um, even with us being e-commerce, uh, we still cut and sew a majority of our products here in Dallas. We do our own fulfillment. And so we could not only not manufacture new products, but we also couldn't ship orders that were coming in online. So we were kind of put in a position where we needed to get creative pretty quickly. Um, and then we also, my wife and I have some ministry background as well. So we we love people. We care about people. We always want to help and we're very community driven. And so we're kind of trying to find a way that we could give back. We did a t-shirt sale that, you know, fed some, fed some of the homeless population here in Dallas. And then my wife had the idea to start making cloth masks. Um, we already had the, the machinery and we have a, a tailor that's on our staff and we made the decision early on in the pandemic that we didn't want to have any layoffs or cut hours or anything like that. And so we were trying to get creative to find a way to, you know, get back to work, but then also uh, give back to the community. And so this was kind of a perfect way to, to kill two birds with one stone. 
And I love there's there's so many things that you, you mentioned there. I want to highlight uh, the first one before I forget it is the fact that you've taken an organization and working in the leather industry and another generation of working on it, but you've pivoted it a bit from what they were doing before to making leather accessories for things that people use now. Now in, in Texas, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. I'm guessing that leather boot sales still do pretty well. I'm just a, just a hunch. So, <laughs> they do. Yeah. So, and across the world, you know, not just in Texas, but, you know, I, I see them everywhere, you know, so it's not, you know, not like they're going, you know, the way of, you know, the horseshoe kind of thing. But the, the key thing is you, you took this opportunity to go, okay, we've got this wonderful material that we've been using for a long, long time. And what can we do and use that? in a way where people could use it today in a different way, because you know, having a leather case for your laptop or your phone or your iPad or other accessories is just, the quality is so much better on that because it's just like having a leather wallet. I mean, the insert in the wallet that's plastic, you're going to replace two or three times before you even consider needing to replace a leather wallet just because it's, it's resilient in the study, but I, I, I definitely commend you on on pivoting the organization and taking it and going, hey, you know what? We can launch this business um, utilizing you know the expertise that we have in our family and our DNA, but do something different. Uh, but you know, the thing that jumps out at me too is the fact that you know in this time where yeah your organization was deemed non-essential, you didn't sit by and go, well, I guess we're just going to ride this out. You said, well, okay, what can we do? You know, what can we do to help? Because that's mm-hmm. ultimately what you want to do in life is when you have the opportunity to help, take that opportunity. It does, and it could be something really subtle, but it could be as simple as, you know, giving, you know, the the food delivery person an extra $5 tip, for example. You know, it's just something as simple like that or doing what you're doing and going, okay, what's the need we see in our community? What can we do to help address that? And what that does is it, it it buys goodwill, quite frankly, in the community. All of a sudden, people remember that, and then they see your brand name and they understand what you've done. And if there are anyone like me, you know, when I see organizations do good, then I naturally am inclined to go buy something from them that I need. I don't buy it just to buy it, but if there's something that I need or I know somebody that needs something, I'm going to point them to organizations that are doing a social good, and and not just to get publicity, but to actually take you know take the opportunity to help somebody in their community and that's what being in a community is all about not just you know the your neighbors up and down the street but you know the businesses the small businesses that make up you know our great country are are crucial that's why i love seeing organizations like yours even in this down turn that we're going through right now still keeping active and doing the best you can until things start opening up again. And then we navigate through, you know, whatever changes we need to make. Absolutely. Yeah. So what are some, because I know one of the things you'd mentioned is, you know, what some strategies are for businesses that want to be able to pivot, you know, they want to uh, serve their customers better um, even in a time of uncertainty, because sometimes, you know, I tell people, we'll serve your customers and what they need. And oftentimes what we find is our customers really don't know what they need right now. Everyone is kind of in this state of funk 
And they're like, I don't really know what we need. So I think that's where uh, your, your expertise and you know, planning out strategy and things like that would come into play. So what are some of the things and conversations you're having around strategy and you know, telling people how to really strengthen those relationships that they have with their business partners? Yeah, I think, uh, I think a big piece of it is being able to just pay attention, honestly, just slow down and, you know, kind of live in the moment with whatever is, whatever's happening. I mean, obviously we don't have a choice, you know, we can't, as much as we would love to flip a switch and turn off the pandemic so we can get back to, to normal tomorrow, you know, we don't have that option. And so I think it's just a matter of embracing what's happening and for better or for worse, just taking a look at the situation and, and analyze it for what it is. And, just know that something has to change. I mean, if we're to keep a business open in the middle of this, you know, people for the most part are not necessarily thinking about buying another pair of dress shoes. Uh, while we have had some sales come in on the dress shoes still, for the most part, people are wondering, you know, how am I going to get groceries at the end of this week? How am I going to keep my business alive? How am I going to find another job for, you know, a lot of people that, that have been furloughed or let go. And, you know, this is a tough time. It's a tough time for everybody. Nobody has the perfect answer. We're all trying to navigate this together. And so I think it would have been foolish for us, even if we believe that it's a great idea, which we do our original business model, you know, we thought we can make an incredible quality shoe and sell it at a great price. That's still a good idea, but this isn't the time for it. And so if we're willing to just pay attention to what people need right now and what resources do we have already or that we have easy access to that could potentially help fill that need, then, you know, that's, I think that's step one to just being able to live another day. And then, and then at that point, you know, we can, once we got to the point where we were making the mask, we're like, okay, this is great. We can still be open. Our employees can still work you know, we can do something to help give back to the community. And then you can kind of start to evolve that, the new direction and start to incorporate some of the things that, that you're good at on the other side of your business. And so if we know how to market dress shoes, then we start to focus those efforts on marketing the masks that we're able to provide. And so whether that's, you know, finding social media channels or paid advertising to make sure to get the message out there that, Hey, if you need these masks, especially at the beginning, they were pretty hard to come by. You can find them with us, you know, and you're used to seeing leather goods, but right now we're, we're making masks. And so using those marketing skills and that marketing strategy, rather than trying to, you know, fit a square peg through a round hole and just say, I don't care what's going on right now. Our business has to survive. So we're going to double down on, you know, trying to push out these leather shoes. So I think a lot of it is just being willing to be observant and see, you know, kind of taking a look at the situation and people, people are going to tell you what they need, whether it's directly or not, you're going to be able to see it. And so almost, it almost kind of provides the strategy for you. Yeah. And that's the thing is just being open and aware to what you see the needs are because we know and we've known for a bit that you know, masks were definitely hard to come by. Hand sanitizer was another area where you saw a lot of uh, liquor making organizations switch their, their plants from making 
alcohol to making hand sanitizer you know, all over the country that has done that and help address the needs and you know making sure that our healthcare workers and the frontline workers and the businesses that are deemed essential uh, are you know, protected and one observation that I have in going into some of these businesses and of course I do my best not to you know go out all the time it's just you know for you know, necessity type of thing, going into a grocery store, if I have to get gas or something like that, then you make sure you, you have all the protection necessary. But I was pleasantly surprised in how quickly organizations responded to putting up protective equipment and making sure that their employees had some type of protection involved in changing how to access the services and uh, I'm, I have to commend everybody you know, in every organization on the planet, and especially in, in the U.S. and the Canada as well, you know, where I, I spend my time, is how quickly organizations were able to adapt and implement some safety things. Was it perfect? No. But did they get something up quickly? Yes. And I think that says a lot because no one had this in their strategic plan that we were going to be going through this this year. This was not on anyone's strategic plan. Um, and many or very few organizations were even prepared for any type of pandemic other than, real quick story, um, Wimbledon. You know, that for, I guess for like the last 26 years or something like that, um, they had an insurance policy. And basically it was a pandemic insurance policy that indicated if a pandemic canceled the Wimbledon tournament, they would get insurance money to help cover the cost of the losses. Now, apparently, they're either their executive director or their board of directors were always complaining about this insurance policy until this year because they, wow. they cashed that policy in. And I think it was $150 million that they end up getting from the insurance company uh, because obviously to have that kind of insurance policy is probably pretty expensive, but they were obviously ahead of the game you know, a couple of decades ago, just in case that something like that would happen. Now, most yeah. organizations wouldn't have that. However, you know, pro tip for the insurance people listening to the show, you might want to start thinking about coming up with some policies around this because there may be some businesses that would be interested in buying that. Um, send any dividends to Michael D. Levitt. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and Matt, you know, you get it cut too because you're you're witness <laughs> to it. So you, we we both get a cut from the insurance company. Yeah, you'll be like, I'm I'm gonna hire somebody else to deal with all the leather stuff. We're going to the you know some deserted island somewhere with and you and your wife can have your own island me and my partner can have mine and we'll be all good to go so, yeah so when you're you know dealing with and talking with organizations things like that what are some typical roadblocks that you see that they run into when they're trying to be an organization that can pivot but they simply can't they just run into roadblocks so what are some things that you've seen i think one pretty common one, and this is understandable and it's very difficult, but I think if you get too focused on the short term um, and not the long term, you know, if you're trying to build a business for today, just today only, then this is a very chaotic time. Uh, it's very crazy. It's very unpredictable. It's, it's difficult to plan. It's difficult to make arrangements. A lot of things are just one day at a time. And so for people that are focusing on the short term, it's very, it's very scary. It's very panicky. It's very, it's difficult to, to build on. Uh, it's kind of like trying to, you know, build, build a house on sand. It's just 
moving constantly. It's almost impossible to get some to any sense of structure. If you're able to take a look at the long term and just understand that this is difficult for everyone, that we all are having to adapt. And like you said, you know, a lot, most organizations around the world have done a phenomenal job of, you know, stepping in and doing the things that we need to do is whether it's a plexiglass guard, you know, over a register, or if it's the little vinyl circles on the ground telling people where to stand or providing sanitizer and masks and gloves and things like that for their employees. Um, you know, people have done a great job. I feel like this, this is a situation that very easily could have been for a lack of better words, it could have been a disaster even more so than it already is. But I think one one bright spot in this story is seeing exactly that, that it it's kind of almost become one of those galvanizing moments in our history where people are partnering up and working together and trying to help each other out. And, you know, we're, we're getting through this and the only way we can do it is doing it together. So, but I think it does take that, that ability to look at the long term and understand, you know, we have to, we are not, we're not going to be able to do the same thing we do every day in the middle of this. We're going to have to change things knowing that it's going to bring us back around to what we really want to be doing. Yeah, and I think what it'll do too is it gives organizations opportunities to look at what we were doing and determine is that what we still want to do once things start to open up and some of the restrictions are re- relaxed. Because I think many organizations... And I see this a lot, you know, where people say, well, I can't wait till it gets back to normal. But for most organizations, normal wasn't working, uh, not in the grand scheme of things. You know, a lot of people right. were stressed. Organizations were having difficult times. They, they were just spread out too thin and, you know, burnout and everything else that we see in every sector. So a lot of people are saying, we don't want to return to that normal. We want to design what normal looks like for us and what makes sense for us. And hundred percent. And that could be a lot of organizations we've seen have, have virtualized and they're saying, you know, we're going to stick to, you know, remote work, you know, and we're not going to have people necessarily come into the office as much. And we're going to use less space and be creative on some things, maybe fly a little bit less. And these are all things that are being said right now, while we really can't do any of those things, but right. the, the, the truth will come out in, whenever things start to ease up you know, across the U.S. and the globe because I think ultimately what will end up happening is there will be a hybrid of these things. I think some organizations will say, you know what, remote work's great for us. We can save six figures a year on downtown office rent and we can just virtualize and just rent something periodically when we need something for a meeting uh, where others are going to say, no, you know what, yeah, we, we were productive, but based on the product or the service we offer, we do need to have a physical presence a little bit more. You know, like for example, in your, your line of work, hard to remotely make leather goods. Uh, <laughs> right. Be, that's a tactile thing. I mean, yeah, you can utilize AI, I suppose, but you still have to have a physical place to create it. Right. We're not, we're not anywhere near, you know, what we saw in Star Trek where they'd press a button and a latte would show up out of nowhere. You know, we, we're not <laughs> there yet. Um, I, I don't know if we'll see that in our lifetime or not, but it would be kind of cool in a way. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, but ultimately, it just boils down to what we've been talking about here is I think organizations really should take this opportunity that we have and maybe not pause, but at least take a step back and look and say, 
okay, what wasn't working well? And be honest about it. You know, there's no, there's no real danger per se to look back and say, okay, what wasn't working? And it's, it's a good opportunity to reflect on it, especially at times like these where I think people should do that and say, okay, what can we do to make it better once things open up again? And I think when organizations do that, I think we're going to see better products and services uh, that are going to be provided by these organizations because they've, they've, they've figured out some things because it, it's hard to tune up your car when you're driving it down the interstate. Um, and right now, a lot of people can probably tune up their cars uh, and, and, and get the things that they need to do, you know, not just their cars, but their business as well. Yeah, definitely. I know f- for us, we've made some, we've made some changes, you know, here on the fly that, I know for a fact will become permanent changes um, that we, we won't return back to what we were doing before. And even, you know, from a sense of um, employee health, you know, mental health, work life balance, things like that have become such a primary focus. Uh, We were already pretty focused on those things, but it's become, you know, even more intense with, with just everything going on that creates so much stress and it, in a lot of ways, it takes away your ability to rest unless you're really able to, you know, turn off the news or get off of social media and and just kind of unplug and kind of find a way to escape, even for even if it's only for a brief moment of time, you know, everything that's that's going on to really let yourself rest and recover. And so we've restructured our work week. Like you said, we do have to be here physically as we're cutting and sewing things. And we've closed our showroom to, to the public. And so there's no customers coming in, which eventually, you know, that will reopen again. That's something that eventually will go back to normal. But even from our employee scheduling standpoint, we are, we're doing Monday through Thursday and we're leaving at four um, every day, you know. And so we're giving, trying to give people a little bit of every day back to kind of have the evening to go home and you know, spend some time with family and get some things done, be able to enjoy like a nice relaxing dinner and kind of unplug before going to sleep uh, and then come in fresh every day. And, you know, the three-day weekend is another way that we felt like would contribute in a positive way to the the health and mental health of our team. And um, honestly, our, our efficiency is skyrocketing. Um, our production capabilities are going up week after week uh, as we're just we're coming in fresh you know every morning every Monday morning we're coming in fresh and ready to get to work and with new ideas and new ways to organize and increase efficiency and so it's really been great and that's something that even you know if we do go back to a quote-unquote normal I don't see I don't see this structure going away for us. That's awesome and I know a lot of organizations and even up in Canada because I split my time between San Diego and Toronto and I'm in Toronto at the moment. Uh, There's been some discussion about implementing four day work weeks as the norm for organizations. And that's, that's pretty, you know, for, you know, for some organizations that might be challenging, but for many, it makes a lot of sense and it, it gives people that extra day that three-day weekend, for example, if they elect to use, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or maybe uh, sun- Saturday, Sunday, Monday, or whatever format they want to choose, it, it could definitely make uh, a different, or a diff, I should say different, but a you know, definite impact on the well-being of people because now they have an extra day off that's during the week 
to conduct business, which normally, you know, a lot of businesses were nine to five. So if you need to do something, you're rushing out at your lunch hour or you have to take half a day off to go do something or whatnot. Um, and even with people that are working remotely as well, you're giving that flexibility to employees and say, okay, look, instead of this nine to five industrial age mentality, which doesn't need to be the case in a non-manufacturing type of environment. Mm-hmm. So look, here's here's your tasks. Here's the things you're supposed to do. Here's the you know outcomes we're supposed to have. Here's the deadline to do it. Well, you know, I give people the flexibility where they say, okay, yeah, I can, I can do that, and I may work a little bit late one night because I in the morning I have to take my kid to school or do something, and there's no, no penalty. You're taking time off or anything like that. It. it it, it helps even the playing field and it makes the employer employee relationship a little bit more balanced because there is a bit of an imbalance there, you know, where the employer you know, holds the keys basically. And the employee says, okay, I have to come in work these hours and, and, and whatnot. And that's fine. But, you know, in some situations it may, it may make sense to be a little bit more flexible with the employee's schedules and, uh, it's going to be an interesting dynamic to watch over these next few months and years to see how work is reshaped. Absolutely. Matt, I've loved our conversation today. Where can people find out more about you and this awesome work you're doing? Yeah, you can find us online at uh, leatherforthepeople.com uh, or anywhere on social media at Marciante and Co. Yeah, thank you again for having me. I've really appreciated the opportunity and I've had a I've had a blast talking to you as well. Thanks for listening to the Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.